Amen. Isn't it wonderful to be in that presence? I think, uh, let's thank our praise team for ushering us there. As, as kind of a um, prelude to the message today, I, can I ask you to pray about something with me and, and with Cole? Um, I think there's a really big opportunity on the horizon uh, to reach youth for Christ in our city. And uh, uh, could I ask you to be just holding that in prayer as God does his work about that? Uh, what, what Cole's doing is actually an illustration of my sermon today. He's, uh, he can't lead this. He's just a teacher. He's a sponsor. But Jinx Middle School's never had a Fellowship of Christian Athletes group. And uh, that means there's a whole field that's ripe for harvest right there in that school. And, and though Cole can't lead it, he can be the person that recruits the leaders to it, the, the, the students, the, the parents that, that will actually lead it. But how wonderful will that be in that particular junior high that doesn't have that fellowship now? Um, so many kids could be reached. And uh, would you just pray for that with us? God seems to be putting things in place. Uh, the school's been very responsive and, and open-armed about it, and we feel that the blessing on that there. Um, Steve Hale, the best basketball player ever to go through Jinx High School, is coming back September 30th to speak to the kids. Um, so there's a lot of excitement that's beginning to build, a lot of momentum that's there. Would you just pray over it that nothing gets in the way of that and it continues to grow. Um, that was a question. Yeah, awesome. Uh, I'm excited about that. You know, there's a lot going on in our church, but disaffiliation is just a distraction to our mission. We're going to be about doing what God has called us to do to reach his world for Christ. And I'm just so thankful we have a youth pastor like Cole uh, to help us. Would you give him a hand here this morning as well? I felt led for the last several weeks to start a series on the church, and I've read about five or six books. Uh, none of them helped me very much. <laughs> I don't usually read that many books. That's, that's a statement of perseverance and desperation. And, and until God shifted it in my sleep and said, I, I don't want you to just preach about the church. Uh, I don't want you to just promote an organization. I want you to help my people discover their calling and that the church is just a part of that. What, what, what it is that you're called to as his disciple. And so what I'll be doing is kind of from the lens of the church, week by week, looking at a different disciple of Jesus and how being a part of that band helped him fulfill his individual calling. Are you with me? And, and so today, I'd like to start with the first disciple that Jesus called. And it wasn't Peter. It wasn't the leader. But his role was absolutely critical. I don't think it was just by chance, I think it was by divine providence 
that the first disciple Jesus called was Andrew. Andrew. Have, have you seen and stu- got a hold of that personality from the chosen? It's very accurate. Uh, Andrew was not necessarily the sharpest tool in the box. But man, he played a critical role. If there hadn't been an Andrew, there would have never been a Peter. Peter may have never known Jesus as it hadn't been for a brother that he trusted introducing him to Jesus. In in Ephesians, let's start there this morning, if you would, with me. In Ephesians, which is a letter of uh, Paul's to the church at Ephesus, he he says this about our callings. Ephesians 4. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. This isn't about fame. It's about faithfulness. It's not about our finding our place in the spotlight. It's about us finding our place of faithfulness in the body of Christ. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, entreat you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing forbearance to one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, There is one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling. Do you know if you're a Christian, you have a calling? It's a package deal. God has called each of us. Now, too often, we misunderstand biblical calling with merely career development, right? Too too often we understand calling, we we tweak it from the biblical understanding to be simply kind of a destined career path, if you will. And and so that our callings, as we often understand them, are all about us. But that's not the way it's cast here. Because we're a part of his church, we are a part of those called out ones. You know what the... The word for church in Greek actually is. It's all through Ephesians. It's the ekklesia, which means the out called ones. The ones called out of the world to be called into his mission back to that world. Are you with me? All of of us have that kind uh, of calling. And all of us have received gifts to fulfill that calling. All of us have spiritual gifts that empower us to be gifts in how we serve to one another, right? So that's the nature of our calling. But if you look back in Ephesians 1, it makes it clear that this calling is not something we do for God merely, but it's something we do with God. Listen to this. Back in verse 18 of chapter 1, it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know What is the hope of his calling? What are the riches and glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? All believers have a calling. These are in accordance with the workings of the strength of his might. Not not by our grit and our gifts alone, but by his might harnessing us 
for his purposes. Verse 20, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Now, where is he going here? What's this about? Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in all the ages to come. Paul seems to be off on a rant right here. And then he he tells us why this is important. And he put all things in subjection under Jesus' feet and gave him as the head over all things to the church. To those with callings, to the called out ones, to the ecclesia. In fact, in Spanish, the very word for church is ecclesia, right? Did I even come close to pronouncing that right? Ecclesia? Ecclesia. It just sounds so much better. I'm, su- I'm such an American. Ecclesia. It's got a little dance to it, doesn't it? We, we are called out. The called out ones, called out to Christ so that Christ can go with us back into the world in our mission, in our particular calling, in our particular place and partnership, and uh, on his team. It's hard to win a game with just a first baseman, right? It, it takes the whole team. Well, what everybody's contributing in order to really be a, a, a powerhouse, a, a victory. The uh, Big Creek Owls, big what? Big Lake. I'm going to get there one day. It's from a creek to a lake. The Big Lake Owls learned that. And, and, and the disciples today could stand to review that. We are the called out ones out of worldliness into his mission. Calling is much more than just an isolated career path. It's actually your role, listen to me, not just in the church and in the workings of the organism of the church but it's your calling as the church as the church because whether or not you're in this building or you're in your workplace or you're in your recreation place wherever you are you are his church scattered as much as you are his church when you gathered I hope I'm just tweaking a few understandings here, but I hope this becomes really clear. You're already in. You already made the team. And if you don't understand that you have a calling of your own, you have a position in the play, right? It's real easy as a Christian to do what we do every Sunday and come and sit I don't, I don't know why we did I think there was a reason Jesus preached outdoors so much. He wanted people to be on their way somewhere, right? It, it means, uh, well, you tell me what it means. What, what does that bring up for you? I want us to have about two minutes of discussion amongst maybe those that you came with, maybe someone who might be near to you. If talking in church to somebody else that you don't know absolutely freaks you out, that's okay, you just do this. That means back off, buddy. It's okay. I'm just, I'm fine on my own, okay? I'm, I'm not going to push anybody to do anything they don't want to do. But I have, I have a question for you. And uh, the question is, what's the difference? What's the difference between just going to church and being the church? There should be a slide with that question on it. Let's bring that up. There it is. Being the church versus going to church. What's the difference? 
I wonder what you think. Talk amongst yourselves for two minutes, and then I'm going to interview you. I'm going to actually ask you what you came up with, okay? All right? I'm not preaching this sermon alone. We're doing this as the body of Christ this morning. Are you ready? So here it is. Talk amongst yourselves. What do you think is the difference between being the church versus just going to church, right? That's the question. Have at it. Okay, that sounds like some good discussions going on. So, so let me ask you this. If you heard a good, not, not if you gave one, okay, but if you heard a good answer, uh, that, that's, well, boy, that's, that's, that's pretty good. If you, if you heard a good answer, uh, I, would, I just want you to raise your hand, and I'll be Phil Donahue and try to get to you as soon as I can, okay? You ready for that? I'm going to start over here with my boys who happen to be in town today. They're not only, thank you, thank you. They're not only much better looking than me, they're also much smarter than me. So uh, I'm going to start with it. Did either of you guys hear a good word from You both did. Okay. Yeah. Twin talk. Uh, David said that going to church is much more of a consumer mindset. It's all about me versus being the church is a lot more. You have some stake in the game. It's much more participating versus viewing. Pretty good. I like that. You're going to volley back for your brother here? Okay. Ditto. Ditto. <laughs> yes, sir. Is this... this is, whoop. I don't know how to make this work. Yeah, my brother up here said uh, there's church during pickleball right here between the serves and uh, and all the other activities uh it's they get to see uh, people living their life and especially him as he displays christ's love he's competitive he tries to win but in the middle of it all they get to see christ in the marketplace you've got a chance to interact and invest in each other's lives wow but much easier. i see i see a man but i'm gonna try to 
Get around with you. <laughs> Mr. Carlos, what you got for us? Well, I heard that going to church is an action that you do. You get up in the morning, you go to church. Being the church is a way of life. It's what you do. That's right. That's right. What you do, what you are. I'm not going to point out any names, but there's a guy sitting next to me. But um, being the church is for a, for a guy like John is doing the things behind the scenes that most of us don't know. But it's for the betterment of every person here. It's for the betterment of this church. It's for the betterment of the body of Christ and the betterment of our future. So there's a lot of there's, there's a lot of people in this church that do a lot of very cool, meaningful things that we don't even know about. So we should be thanking and loving each person we see here. Thanks, Scott. Going to church is inward discipleship. Being the church is outward discipleship. This is good. What am I doing preaching in this place? We ought, to, we ought to just hand out the mic more often, don't you think? Tell me, brother. I didn't think he'd give me the mic because he knows I like to talk. Uh, you know, I, I just go from personal experience, and uh, me and this young lady over here talked, and uh, I, I went to church for a long time. I showed up, and, uh, but I didn't do much. And uh, that was just a way of life for me. Uh, you know, I grew up at uh, First Methodist over here in Broken Arrow and uh, been coming here on and off for over 17 years. But, uh, you know, it was until I was willing to let God come into my heart and change some things about me. And uh, I didn't realize that, uh, you know, I needed to serve and I needed to serve in my community and I needed to share the gospel with other people. And be a part of this church and be a part of my community and love people. And uh, I'm trying to do a better job of that today. Connie Helmer, thank you. Yes, ma'am, Miss Claudia. Well, I think this is important because it came from youth and she shared first. So for her, being the church is pouring out the love of God uh, with others around and like participating and being active and helping others in need and coming to the church is just sitting and receiving and feeling blessed just for individual uh, for just for her and not sharing the love so. All right, people. All right, isn't that good now we 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 could we could share the mic around for a long time um all excellent answers, and I think you've got your 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 fingers on it exactly. M my thought was uh, perhaps less profound that that the church, as we uh, as we are the church, we, we kind of make a shift, like Donnie was saying, from being spectator to being participant, or as Johnny and David said, from going from a consumer mentality to to a servant mentality. Um, where we're a part of the ministry that's happening in addition to being a receiver of the ministry that's happening. To be the church. 
Um, okay, y'all did those next two points of mine. That's good. We can skip right over those. If we wanted to look at someone that I think is a great example of going from spectator to participant, you, you probably won't find a better example than Andrew. A Andrew was basically a groupie, a groupie of uh, John the Baptist. He was following John. He liked what John had to say. Now, if, if, you, if you were going to find Andrew, he probably wouldn't be up on the platform. He wouldn't be holding a mic, and I'm going to put this mic down. Um, he probably wouldn't be holding a mic. He, he, he would be the kind of guy that's working in the backgrounds, like John Koenig was describing over here. He'd be the person in the morning that's actually cooking the biscuits. But he went from being just a spectator with John the Baptist ministry, so far as we know, to actually becoming a person who followed Jesus into participating integrally in the life of that band of disciples that he became a part of. In fact, you'll find his story in John chapter 1, the very first of the disciples to follow Jesus. And, and here it is. Now, now, let's look at Andrew. And I'm hoping that Andrew's life and Andrew's calling might resonate with our own callings to some degree. And we can take clues from the way he fulfilled his calling for fulfilling our own. All right? Okay, would help if you were in the right chapter, Pastor. And again, this is verse 35 of, of chapter 1. And John the Apostle is the one who's writing this. And he's not mentioned by name. We think mostly out of humility. He doesn't mention himself. The John that's mentioned here is not John the Apostle. It's John the Baptist. And the next day, John the Baptist was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked upon Jesus as he walked. And he said, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak. And they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and beheld them following and said to them, What do you seek? What are you looking for? And they said to him, Rabbi, which is translated means teacher, uh, just a respectful uh, address. Rabbi, where are you staying? Where are you staying? So I, I, I want you to get a picture of Andrew's personality. John the Baptist, who he trusts, says, that's the guy. And, and so they follow him. They, they, they don't confront him. Do, do, you see, do you see them in your mind's eye? Jesus is going somewhere. He's just been baptized by John the Baptist. The next day he comes by. He's maybe on his way to the wilderness. We, we, we don't know. Or maybe he's coming back from the wilderness. And John has said this about him. But, but here's Jesus. And John the Baptist says, that's the guy. So Andrew and John follow after Jesus. Have you ever seen somebody following somebody? Like I imagine Andrew following Jesus. It was like Jesus took two steps and they took one. And Jesus turned and walked another ten feet and they came up behind him. He turned around. He's probably not an extrovert, right? And so Jesus actually has to open the conversation to them. Are you looking for something? And Andrew says, John, nothing from John. Uh, Master, where are you staying? We, 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 you're from Nazareth. We, 
this baptismal spot's kind of a long, you must be camping somewhere. Where are you staying? In other words, he's saying, can we talk privately? Right? And Jesus says, come and see. Now, that makes me think that Andrew was much more of the kind of guy that you would meet at Starbucks for coffee than the kind of guy that would ever be on a platform anywhere. Right? He, he, he's, a, he's a guy that probably doesn't need that kind. How many of you are introverts in the crowd? Got some introverts here? Well, of course, they wouldn't raise their hands. But uh, <laughs> what am I thinking? I, I think Andrew might have been more of an introvert than an extrovert. He's following Jesus. Jesus has to start the conversation. But, but know, what, know what happens. If we're looking for clues to Andrew's calling, look at verse 41. Well, let me start in 40. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He found first his own brother Simon and said to him, We found the Messiah, which translated means the Christ. And he brought him, Simon Peter, to Jesus. He found first his own brother. Now, what does that mean? He found first his own brother. Well, that means he found first his own brother. But but it also means, doesn't it, that there must have been others that he found. If he found Simon first, that suggests there's some others he found later, doesn't it? Andrew was this kind of guy that had a knack for introducing people into their calling and getting them connected to Jesus so that that could flesh itself out. He heard what Jesus was about, and he was, he was certain he was the Messiah, and he knew of all people that he needed to get together with Jesus first. It was his headstrong brother, Peter. Finally, someone that my bold and brass brother would consider worthy of following. I've got to get these two guys together. What might happen if Simon Peter started following Jesus? And, and so he goes immediately to Simon and says, you got to see this guy. you got to meet this guy. Come and see this guy. But, but he didn't stop there. Chances are, since Philip was from his hometown, that, that Andrew might have said, now, Jesus, there's this other guy. This other guy, he's, he's really practical, but he's really gifted. You know, he's, he's, he's the kind of guy that could uh, run the shop. And uh, his name's Philip. You've got to meet him. And so the next day, they went out and they found Philip. Uh, Andrew was that kind of person. He brought him to Jesus, might explain kind of the character of his calling. He, first of all, brought Peter, his brother. Now, many people have said that what Andrew is, is he is a, he is a, a typical evangelist. I think that's a little skewed. I think he's a recruiter. I think he's the rush chairman. And he, he's seeing all these other people, and he sees gifts in them that are yet to, to come to life, right? He, he's, he's like a coach, and he's saying, uh, you've got all kinds of potential, but you can't see it. Let, 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 I, I want to see that come to pass. You, you may have had... Three, one in 15 seasons. But it doesn't have to be that way anymore if you'll follow Jesus. 
I can see so much in you that would, that would bless others if you could just see yourself that way. I think Andrew was, was that kind of guy. Maybe more of a recruiter than, than an evangelist. He, he ushered Peter into introductions with Jesus. He did probably also with Philip, though it's not necessarily described that way. I think the pronouns in there may have not been translated quite as well as they could have. But anyway, he probably brought Philip. Andrew and Philip had a way of hanging out in the scriptures after this circumstance. But, but he brought his brother to Philip. And where would, uh, where would the church be? Where would the disciples have been without Simon Peter that always had the courage and sometimes the petulance to at least start in the right direction? Where would the disciples have been if Andrew hadn't brought Peter? Where would the 5,000 have been that day that Jesus fed the 5,000? If, if Andrew, it says in John 6, verse 8, Andrew noticed, as Jesus said, let them all sit down and you feed them. And Philip said, Lord, if we had a fortune, we couldn't feed this crowd. Maybe he was that kind of guy that would do the calculations and realize, you know, we call out to Chick-fil-A, there's no way. And what if it was a Sunday? You know, he's a, but not Andrew. Because Andrew wasn't so concerned about what was happening in the platform. He was more like my wife, who often, even when I'm preaching, is still out in the hallways talking to people. And until I understood that as her calling and her gift... She, she, she's getting to know people. She sees things in people that are being underutilized in the church. And she is a master recruiter, a hyper Andrew, right? And what an incredible role that is. Do you understand, in the grand scheme of things, she may have been the first disciple that God sent to found this church, and I was a secondary thought. Now, just like, just like all the uh, lists of the apostles, Andrew never comes first, even though he was the first to follow. Now, wouldn't you think that somebody like Andrew would have something to say about that? I'm at best second in the list, but I was the first one that followed him. you think he would have spoke up sometime and said, well, maybe he did. Maybe he, disciples were arguing one time, who's, who's the biggest and the baddest and the greatest disciple, and... Andrew might have had something to say in that, but I doubt it. I bet Peter had a few things to say about that. But you understand what I'm saying? He was, in all the lists of the disciples, Andrew shows up second as best, and most of them fourth of the disciples. Andrew was a great recruiter, and he found this boy. Everybody else is listening to Jesus. He's been teaching all day. It's been fantastic. It's been gripping. It's been life-changing. People are going home with fresh vision for their lives. And, and uh, you know, m maybe Andrew was ADD. I don't know. Maybe he, he wasn't. Somehow, while all that was going on, he saw this kid with, the, with some lunch. He noticed him, right? And he noticed that he had something to give when Jesus said, you feed him. Now, Andrew wasn't necessarily the kind to do all the calculations. 
one lunch, 5,000 people. Why did he even bring it up? Because he was wanting the kid to get together with Jesus. This kid must have had all kinds of potential. Maybe Andrew had kind of sat and talked to him. Asked him what he had in the back. Asked him why he was here listening to Jesus. Maybe he saw something in this kid that if he grew up to follow Jesus, it would make an incredible difference for everybody. I mean, think about it. Who was, who, who was Billy Graham's Sunday school teacher? We owe that person a lot. Are you with me? The Andrews of this world sometimes do the greater work than even the preliminary work, the necessary work, the most important link. Uh, they serve an incredible purpose in the teamwork of, of the body of Christ. If, if they're not in our midst, then we don't usually become all that we can be. I love the Andrews. I, was, I, I wish sometimes I was more like, I got a little Andrew in me. Maybe you got a little Andrew in you. Maybe you tend to notice people. Maybe you're the kind of person that doesn't hesitate to, to call somebody into a place of service or to try something out. But, but Andrew noticed people. He noticed what they had to give. And he set them up in order to experience giving it and to, to give it with Jesus and the 5,000 were fed that day because, in part, because Andrew saw a lad with some bread and fish. When I think of Andrew, I think of Deb Smith and Bill Moore in our children's ministry for years. Noticing our kids, nurturing our kids, introducing our kids to Jesus. Seeing potential in people and helping believing them so that they can step into more and more into their calling. Andrew was always that kind of recruiter person. In John 12, 22, there's some Greek-speaking people who come to town and they want to see Jesus, but chances are they didn't speak Aramaic. They were Greeks. And so who do they go to? They go to the guy in Jesus' band that had a Greek name, Philip. I bet he speaks our language. So he goes to Philip. What does Philip do? Philip goes and tells Andrew. And Andrew takes the whole bunch to Jesus. He was always that kind of recruiter, bringer, always linking partners together for the sake of growing in Jesus and being a part of that mission. Do you have eyes for people that way? Do you notice what people have to give and maybe... It's latent. It's dormant. They haven't begun to offer it, and, and, and God is just beginning to use it. Do you, do you have that ability to go from being just a worker in the church to being a kind of a player coach that sees the talents of others around you, the callings of others around you, and calls them into greater fullness, into who they're becoming for Christ? I wonder who was Bill Bright's youth counselor. The guy that led, wasn't it Crusade for Christ amongst the youth? I wonder who his youth counselor was. If there had never been that person, perhaps there had never been a Bill Bright. Someone recruited each of us from the sidelines to get into the game. The, the, this last few weeks, we, our kids went to summer youth camp. And there, uh, Max Beth, when there was a call at that camp for those who were 
And uh, Cole's word for it was, man, Max got wrecked this week. Just God just invaded his life. And, and uh, Max responded to a call from the platform of those who were feeling called into full-time ministry. Isn't that cool? Now, so, sometimes that's the way God initially frames it. But, but, but Max may step into that calling and step towards that calling and then discover he's not a senior pastor, he's an Andrew. Calling always gets us moving in the direction of following Christ and exploring and developing what it is and how it is that God especially uses us in the body. But isn't that a cool thing? Well, what would have happened if Max Speth had never met Cole? Cole's an Andrew. Maybe you are too. I'm aware of a num young man, his name is Joshua Hall, and at a very early age, he felt called uh, to, 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 to be engaged in ministry, prophetic ministry, signs and wonders ministry, praying for people that they might be healed. He, he, was, he was a joggernaut of witness for Christ. And he was kind of a goofy basketball player, too. I, I, I was his coach for a few years, and he was just a goof. He was, he was a... He, he was a Neanderthal-sized kid, and uh, if he couldn't dribble to the basket, it wouldn't matter. He'd just turn around and run you over. Uh, but, but, he, but he had no sense of, he, he wasn't self-conscious in any way. Am I describing him right, guys? He, he, he was just who he was, and God had just kind of wired him for that. Most of us get up in front of a bunch of people and uh, even I, I'm part introvert. You know, I have I have uh, concerns about whether I'm being accepted or not, whether or not I'm sounding like a goof, whether or not I'm 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 actually delivering something that's helpful. I'm, I've got all these kind of self-conscious things going through my head, and I learned very early as a preacher, if I didn't shut those up and just give all that to God, He couldn't use me for nothing. I was a mess, right? But, but this kid just seems to be freed to fully proclaim. That's just who he is. And, and, and so he, by the time he was in high school and college, was already on tours of ministry in Africa, praying for large crowds of people and speaking the gospel and hundreds of people were coming to know Christ and people were getting healed as they came forward. And this guy's just a kid. Just a kid. But, but, but where would Joshua Hall be if somebody hadn't come alongside him somewhere and baptized him? You, you, you know where that happened? Do you, do you recognize this picture? That's a cue for us to go to the slide. Now, there he is at Metro High School leading worship. But when he was nine years old, that's where he was. That's where he was. Right out front here, like we're going to baptize some people today. And who knows what will become of their lives as they 
fulfill their callings. Some of those that we baptize today, they, they, they might be Simon Peters in the future. They might be those kind of folks that are destined for uh, full-time public ministry. But most of us, most of us are not. Most of us find our way to being part of the body of Christ, a significant part of the body of Christ by fulfilling our calling right where we are. We don't just go to church, but church actually becomes that place and that context where we can, with others, flesh out what God has called us to be and what God has called us to contribute. I wonder who the bringers are in our church, who the who the recruiters, who, who, who notice those people on the sidelines and can draw them from the seats of the spectators actually into the game and the mission of Christ. Where would the church be without the bringers? But where would the bringers be without the church? Who would they bring them to? How could they in their bringing, if the church wasn't there, actually get a person off the sidelines and into the game with others? That's where the transformation will happen. What, what, what happens when we get this many disciples bringing their gifts? And, and they don't have to be profound things, but, but, but they're the way that you can offer yourself as a gift to somebody else. Cheryl's and Andrew, before the gathering got started, she already had 30 or 40 people committing to coming, not before we even announced it. Why? Because she was able to recognize the gifts that others might bring to that. And she saw some people singing. She saw some people bringing uh, food. And, and she was such a noticer that she even knew what food to ask them to bring. No, your brownies, right? And, and your gravy. And you guys on the grill, right? And, and what a beautiful night that was of the body just being the body, Right? Now, if, if that wasn't just a picture of the fellowship we could do, but also the mission we could be in as the church with one another, what a difference that could make. What a difference it could make when a whole church is praying the barriers down to a new ministry starting on a Jinx Junior High campus. God opens the doors. As Cole reaches out as the church, and we as the church do the spiritual work of Laying the foundations in prayer. Some brought their music. Some brought their food. Some brought their dancing. Some decided that gardening was cool. Some, some with single mom support. How beautiful is the body of Christ? Andrew was a bringer. One of many callings that exist, I think, still in the church today. We'll talk about another one next week and another disciple the next week after that. But today, I want you to hear this. When Gaston Foote, uh, a great preacher from years ago, entered a bombed-out cathedral after the end of World War II, my understanding it was in Germany, perhaps in Berlin. And as he walked into this shelled cathedral, he noticed up front there was a... Uh, 
I think, a copy of Thorvald for, I'm trying to say this in German, Thorvaldsen, Thorvaldsen's great statue of Christ. And it's a, it's a beautiful picture of Christ. Uh, look at the work in that. Is, is that a guy you could approach? And, and, he, and he walked closer to this wonderful statue, and as he got up close, he realized that when the ceiling fell in, that fragments must have fallen from the ceiling and actually knocked off the hands of Jesus. This is what the, what the sculpture originally looked like. Jesus, same face, reaching out, arms open, arms welcoming, arms ready to embrace. And yet, as he saw this statue in that shelled-out cathedral, right at the elbows, the arms were severed off. And he thought, what a picture that is of what the church needs to be today. Jesus, always inviting Always welcoming, always reaching out, but where are his hands today? Where are his arms? We are his arms. We are his feet. We are his voice. Maybe that's your place. Maybe you're a bringer. You're a bringer to the body. Maybe you're a recruiter, a recruiter into ministry. And today, as you hear that calling resonate in your own heart, maybe it's time to take a step towards that calling, to actually claim it and own it and start living in it. And like Andrew, like Andrew, follow Jesus and see where that takes you. Maybe today your decision is to follow Christ. Or or like Andrew... Maybe today you're ready to take your place in Jesus' band and fulfill the hope of his calling for you. This morning, Abiding Harvest would welcome you as a member to be a part of this team. Listen, we're not into to making members just to have somebody on a membership role. We're not excited about that just because uh, we can claim you on a list. We're excited about that, and Jesus is excited about that because he already sees you as a part of the church that we are yet to be. We need you. And for you to fulfill your calling, maybe you need some partners in that too. And so this morning, we invite you to Christ. We invite you into the membership of this church. And, and today, if you want to stick around after this moment, we'll be out in the, uh, around the baptismal fountain right out front, cheering on a couple of others as they claim their place on the team, as they put on that invisible uniform of baptism that says, I belong to Christ. And I choose to be a part of the team today. Is that that your choice? Would you pray with me? Oh, Jesus, today we we pray that if you've called us to be an Andrew, that we would find our place in that. Maybe that's not central to who we are, but it's a part of who we are. And maybe a part of us as disciples that we've neglected, we could live it out more fully. 
So God, help us not to just do that for you, but to do that with you. Empower us to notice. Empower us to approach. Empower us to ask. Empower us to partner with those that have yet to find their place in this teamwork. And Father, we pray that as the team gets assembled, that the season of ministry would dramatically change. That we turn from being a church uh, distracted by denominational issues and we'd evermore become that church that listens to you, that encourages one another, that finds partners with one another to make a difference in your world. That's what we want to be about. Help us to take a step towards it this morning, both individually and as this team of ministry you call Abiding Harvest. Move within us, Holy Spirit. Show us your next step that we might take it with you. In Jesus' holy name, the altars are open this morning for anyone who chooses to come.